Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. So as we... Uh, jump into the word, I want to help you understand that according to various psychologists and uh, academics, uh, especially in the UK, there is a, since the pandemic, there is a volume of decisions that people have to make in a day that's exponentially increased since the pandemic. The stress of figuring out whether you're going inside or outside, mask or no mask, medical condition or not, wash your hands, use this type of soap or detergent or not, whether you need full body armor or, or not, whether you should go to work or whether you should say you need to work from home. You know, it's, it's been a lot of decisions that people have had to make and it's created something called decision fatigue. That means that the quality of your decision-making goes down when you are overwhelmed with the amount of decisions that you need to make. 35,000 decisions need to be made every day. Some of those decisions are on automatic, but the most dangerous position you could be in, Pastor Delvin, is when you make the decisions based on your emotion versus your cognition. That means it wasn't a sober condition, um, uh, uh, decision, it just felt right. Or it felt like what you should do. You intuited it. You, uh, you know, dismissed it. Making the right choices in your life are, are just, you're happy about that. But wrong choices live with you for a long time. In fact, wrong choices and the consequences from those choices can last so long that they become an overwhelming noose around your neck, drowning out the possibility of you having that promise of Christ to have life and have it to the full. I'm so happy for some of my choices. On June 30th, uh, 1991, I met my wife. So that was a little anniversary. It was the first time we ever met. My choice to walk her to the car was a great choice. Because you know, it's that prideful moment where, you know, I'm not going to act like I feel anything, but I just I walked her to the car, called her that day. That choice was a life-changing choice. Some of y'all, some of y'all shouldn't have walked y'all people to the car. <laughs> that was just a joke. Yes, you should have. Just, you know, you should have walked them. Okay. But your choice can either be something that brings you elation. Happy birthday. Mama did. When's your birthday just came up with her? Give it up for her. Okay. See there? Um, now, I want to deal today with one of the most challenging choices that face humanity in all of human history. One of the biggest choices of all time. Very popular part of the scripture, but I want to go through it today to show you a couple of things, how the enemy works, how God works, and how you and I should respond. And so we're going to go to Genesis 3, 
I'm going to have you read the first uh, seven verses as a group, you know, according to our standard. Then I'll take over the reading of the rest and we'll go through on this little lesson together. Okay, y'all ready? When you can see the scripture on the screen, say amen. amen. Ready, read. This story is full of bad choices. Um, when we hear the story, I often look at the story of the original man, the woman, Adam and Eve, and I thought, I wish that God would have let me be in the garden. Because I would have handled things differently. I just feel like I would have just been more obedient and made more sober choices. You know, if something's going to take me down, well, you know what? If something's going to take me down, it could be food. You know, I was, I, I, you know what? I shouldn't have been in the garden, y'all. I changed that. I'm going to let all y'all down. I'm going to let all y'all down. You know what? I, that analogy went to the left. I didn't say it in the first service. And I said, I just, I omit that part of it. That was not the spirit. Spirit just checked me. Said, yeah, you taking the world down. <laughs> oh, food. Let's just go back to what I planned to say. So let's see what the serpent so, the, the, the Bible says that this serpent, which we know is a physical snake, was something more. Like, like back in the day before the fall, we, the, the historians would think that the snake was something that either walked on two legs or that, that flew, but we don't know. We don't venture to say that the serpent was evil in and of itself, but there was something behind the activities of the serpent, that it was something demonic. And we want to identify that demonic presence as Satan himself. According to Revelation 12 and 9, it says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So we can see that there is a spirit being named Satan, the devil, or Lucifer, considered in some versions of the Bible an angel of light or the son of, of God who was a created being who influenced or, or spirit entered into the snake. Now, just be, so you don't get weirded out because the snake is talking, you know, I, I don't believe animals are supposed to be talking. 
So I know this is in the Bible and it's a supernatural part of the story. It's a true story. It's not a fable. We had another animal talking in the Bible. It was a donkey. But if perhaps you go home tonight and your dog talks to you, I want you to know it is a devil. <laughs> Rover did not get a voice. Uh, it's, it's just something weird. So, so, so we know that in, when the Bible talked about when a spirit goes out of a man, so we know that a spirit can occupy a human body. We know that when the Lord cast out the spirits out of legion, the spirits went into a pig. So this is not outside of the biblical norm to think that an evil spirit would invade the space um, of an animal or a human. According to Isaiah 14, I'm just setting up some context because I want you to know the nature and character of the person that's aiding you and I am making bad choices. That's the purpose of this. Isaiah 14, 12 through 17, this is attributed to Lucifer, but it's also attributed to a, a, a king. Theologians believe this is attributed scripture to him, though again, this is, you, you can't fundamentally say that. You have to read the context in order to know that. But he says, how are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn? How are you cut down to the ground? You who laid the nations low, you who said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God and I will set my throne on high. I will set on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like the desert and overthrown his cities? Not only is Satan or Lucifer powerful, he had a seat and he had an ambition to be like God, uh, to have a throne or to have a voice that's above God. The devil doesn't have anything new, and when he invades another human or any other circumstances, he will always begin to bring into question the Almighty and his authority. How do we know that? Look, let's look at that, 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 that first verse, and he said, uh, uh, verse 2. He said, no, verse 1, I'm sorry. Did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? He is subtle. This is where the enemy's strategy works in humanity. He has to sow the seed of doubt over something that God said. Did God really say? At this point, he hasn't said something wrong, but he's not saying something in God's favor. Because when he speaks, he speaks a lie or he speaks his native tongue. He's speaking in a way to deceive you or destroy you or to be, 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 be crafty. Did God really say? How did he say it? And then she begins to quote back to him. God says, we can eat of every tree, uh, but we can't eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. Neither shall we touch it. We, we, we're not supposed to eat of that tree. And... 
I want you to know that God did no command that she could not touch it. He just gave a command that she could not eat it. I don't, I, because, and here's where I want to be clear that I think sometimes that the rules and standards and command of man don't actually motivate or inspire the righteousness of God. God does not need us as humanity to add or subtract to what he had to say. He gave humanity one command. He didn't give them two commands. But it seems like when man gets a hold of what God is saying, he want to add to it. And it seemed to be a righteous thing to add to it. But see, when you multiply what God says in your life, you also diminish the grace or you diminish the intent or you begin to add extra rules that make him look ridiculous. He didn't say she couldn't touch it. He just said, I don't want you to eat it. it. Maybe some of it fell down and she needed to kick it out the way. I don't know. (laughs) But but then he said, but but the enemy says that the go back to that next verse. I don't want to I don't want to mess it up. Verse three. He said, you should not eat the tree, the uh, fruit of the midst of God. You should touch it exactly for four. And here's a serpent, but you shall not surely die. He went from making you doubt the truth, be confused about the truth, to now nullifying the truth. God said you will die. He said you're not going to surely die. The ultimate thing that the enemy is trying to do is tell you that sin is not bad but good And God is not good, but bad. He knows that when you eat, you're going to be like him. He's trying to pervert the truth, change the rules, and make you call good evil and evil good, right wrong and wrong right. He wants to make a perversion. The ploy of the enemy is to give you standards in the world that are in opposition with God so that you will worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is to be praised forevermore. This is a subtle thing. The reason that the enemy could have a conversation with Eve, though, is because of James chapter 1, which simply says, let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God, for God tempts no one, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away on his own lust and enticed, and when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. So there was something already in the woman that was showing some type of desire for what God didn't want her to have. See, if if you sit around looking at stuff that you really won't look at it long enough, what did the enemy observe about her behavior that made her a target? Oh, she wants that fruit. She keep walking past it every day, looking at it, staring at it, just wanting it. He will help you along. See, he takes advantage of the desire that's already on the inside of you to exploit it. What's in you? will be exploited by your adversary. He says, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The lust means to superimpose your will over the will of God. That means to desire something for yourself that he doesn't desire for you, but your pleasures can bind you. Your pleasures can blind you. Your pleasures can belittle you and and make small of your life if you get them because sin is pleasurable for a season. It's going to feel good. I believe that, that this is the challenge 
in our world today is that we as humans act like Satan. Satan did not like the ideology that God had for mankind. So he's telling mankind, do what thou wilt. Have what you want. You should have the desires of your heart. And God's saying, I've given you everything. I'm not preventing you from having anything. I just want you to be limited in this area. Does he not have the right to do it? Why is society telling you to feel whatever you want to feel? Love whoever you want to love. Be whoever you want to be. Don't let anyone challenge you. Don't let God challenge you. Don't let other people challenge you. Don't let the law challenge you. If you want to change your nature, change your nature. This is a demonic spirit that has invaded our personal space. And it's not speaking through a snake, it's speaking through social media, it's speaking through TV, it's speaking through movies, it's speaking through the educational system, it's speaking through the laws, and all of it's telling you, you're not going to surely die. You're not going to die. The Bible says this in Isaiah 59.1, it says, the Lord's arm is not too short that he cannot save, nor his ear too dull that he cannot hear. It is your iniquity separates you from your God and it's your sin that hides his face from you. Iniquity is a disposition in opposition to the will or word of God. Iniquity is a disposition. It's a way of thinking in opposition to the will or word of God, whereas transgression or sin is in physical act, something you do against God. So it started by how she was thinking. And it ended up being something she was doing. This is why you become what you behold. If you sit there and you look at the wrong thing long enough and you become transfixed, it will will put you in a trance for sure. And it will take advantage of you. And it will take over you. And it's funny that when she, the Bible says she took it because she wanted it. The Bible says she was deceived, but just being deceived don't mean you didn't sin. She took it, and this is what we figure out with misery love company, and she gave some to her husband. Nobody in your life wants to sin alone. There are people that are in your life around you who would like you to come down to their level. They'll invite you to smoke what they smoke, drink what they drink, watch what they watch, do what they do, go to places. If you have friendships where you're the strongest person in the friendship and somebody's always bringing you into their dark life and dark lifestyle and no longer want to hear the gospel message, then you had better change what's going on because your friendships can lead you into more sin. If you hang around it long enough, you will do it. You will do it. Stop thinking you won't do it. That's right. I bet she was looking at that thing. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. That's why you can't just keep looking at the, uh, I just lack of a better way to say it. You can't keep looking at pornography saying, I'm just looking. Because if you just say, I'm going to just looking, I am not going to do it. I'm going to tell you. Do you know what the enemy going to do? Going to present you with an opportunity to do it. You're going to tip right on into that. I was just looking at it. I was just wondering how things, I was just wondering, no, no, you're going to do that. You're being set up. 
And anytime you think you're strong enough, you are not strong enough. No human is. You can't look at wickedness. It'll get in your heart and it'll become a pleasure that you want. And eventually you will take it. When it's full grown, it'll produce sin. And then the sin will produce death. And then the misery love company. Baby, you going to sing? Yes. It in the, the scripture should at least say, you know, Adam said, well, wait a minute. Let's think about it, baby. Baby, hold on. Didn't, didn't the Lord say something? Hold on. Hold on, baby. I know I want to I join you and everything, but baby, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know it, but baby, what did it do to you? What's going on in your life right now? You know, are you hallucinating right now? You know, what's going on? I just, I don't want to just get into that. <laughs> no. Your friends that don't believe like you believe want you to change what you believe and what you do so they can accuse God. See, they do it too. And then the Bible say they knew they were naked. Now we know that according to the scripture, the Bible says he, he closed himself in light, in unapproachable light. That we know that when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, they, their, their, their clothes and their bodies glowed. That when Moses was up, you know, his body glowed. They were clothed with the glory of God. What they lost was intimacy. What they lost was sight of him and his reflective glory on them. What they did was depart from him, the source of life, and they lost it. And what's what sin will always do is eliminate your relationship with Christ. You don't want to pray no more. You ever notice when you sin and you are not praying? Not praying right now. You kind of feel this conviction like, maybe I should pray. Maybe I should pray. And then once you can kill that voice, you know, you let it go. Kills the relationship. One bad decision can ruin everything. The first thing the scripture teaches us is that for every sin, there's a consequence. I know that the world don't want to whip kids no more. Bryson don't spank his babies. No, I'm just praying. Ogden's too young. Don't spank him, okay? He's too young, Pastor Bryson. <laughs> People don't want to spank their kids no more. But discipline is love. He said, the Bible tells you everything has a consequence. Everything has a consequence. And people know when they do wrong. How many people got pets in here? Raise your hand if you got a, a dog, especially. You know your dog know he did something wrong? Because when my dog normally come to the door and greet me. But when I know that dog is free. Where you at? Where Chewy? Where you at? Oh, he done did something. Because the next verse said they were hiding. They were hiding. That's when you know, oh, yeah, you did something. Then tore the trash up or pottied in the house, something. Anybody know that to have a dog, you know, that's when you say, oh, you're smart. You smart, little doggy. <laughs> Why would humans be hiding from the presence of God? Verse 8, what does the verse 8 say? Read it. Ready? Read. Why are you hiding from light? Why are you hiding, hiding from good? Why are you hiding from the joy of the Lord? Why are you hiding from the presence of the Lord where there's 
where there's pleasures evermore. Why are you hiding from the creator of all things beautiful and all things good and all things pure? The scripture says the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursues him. Why don't you want somebody to see what's going on in your life? Why don't you want to walk in the light? Why is everything password protected and you don't really carry confidential information in your life? If you got to carry confidential information or your information, I understand protecting your files. But come on now, why nobody know your code but you? Ooh, it got quiet. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. Code deliverance in the mass code deliverance right now. <laughs> You're the only one got your code. You erase your history weekly. Ooh, I'm, I'm treading, oh Lord, I'm treading, I'm treading water, Jesus. Come on now. This is why discipleship is important. Who is in your life that you can walk in the light with? Because Adam and Eve being partnered, well, we weren't good partners for each other. They're walking in the dark together. Baby, let's hide. We'll stay in the dark. It's better to stay in the dark. Because that's how sin is. Once it gets you, it says it's better to stay here. I hate this part about sin. Let's just be honest. You know, when you sin and you repent, you do it again. You sin, you repent and do it again. Then you just stop repenting and say, it's got me. And I'm just going to ride it out. But I want you to notice something. This is so something that we could miss. That when they were covering up their sin. And when they were hiding and they were afraid, God was looking for them. God was calling out saying, hey, where you at, Adam? What's going on? Where are you? God, I almost want to see that. Let's just go back to that verse real quick. But the Lord called to, uh, wait, okay. The Lord called out to the man and said, where are you? Where are you at? Why aren't you in the place of prayer? Why aren't you in the place of consecration? Why aren't you in the place where you're reflecting my glory? Why are you living beneath your privilege and beneath your station and beneath how you created? Why are you walking around like you're, 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 the, you're, you're not a son or a daughter of me? What's going on? Why have you lost your identity? Why are you living in fear? Why are you living in sin? Why are you living this way? It's beneath you. Yeah. I'm trying to get you, Adam, to confess because I know where you're at, but I'm trying to get you to confess where you're at. Look, look at his response. He said, I heard, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. I hid. Verse 11. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree I commanded you not to? And the man said, here it is. Here, 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 here is the statement of life. This, this right here, this is a book title. Don't want me. I want y'all to read it together. Ready, read. What had happened was, Lord, you messed up from the very beginning. You was trying to put us on Love Island together. Love is blind. You was trying to blind match make us. 
and you thought she would be a good match for me, a helper suitable for me, but you know what, Lord? You found out you made a bad match. Because the woman you gave me, not only was she flawed, you was flawed for giving it to me. Now my good life in the garden been messed up. And I'm, I'm not here having to sit here all naked and afraid in the wilderness because something I ain't even had nothing to do with. Because the demonic spirit loves to accuse. It's always somebody else's fault. It's the government. It's, 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 it's God. Because at the end of the day, when we think about everything that goes wrong, everybody want to accuse God at the end of the day? Let's stop pointing the finger at everybody. At that pointing finger, it's white people's fault. It's black people's fault for not putting them. It's the Mexicans. They, they, they shouldn't be this many Mexicans coming over here. It's, it's, it's getting ridiculous. Ain't it ridiculous? Quit pointing the finger. It's just sin. Just sin. Woman you gave me, but really it's your fault. One bad decision. Verse 13. The Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, hmm, hmm, wait a minute, Jesus. <laughs> wait a minute. I don't, don't put this spotlight on me that fast. Wait a minute. Because if you're going to let him off the hook, I know you made him the leader. I don't want to say nothing about that. that, that I, I didn't think he should have came at you like that, Lord, because I didn't come at you like that. But I'm just saying, hold on, wait, put that scripture back up. I'm just saying the serpent. Now, he deceived me and ate, because what she really saying is, I was tricked. This man right here, he just took it from me. Now, he was disobedient. Now, I need some justice here. You can see that their disposition is not of humility yet. You can see their disposition is of what is happening to them. Verse 14. I want you to know, before, before we get to verse 14, um, that this is a beginning. I want you to tell you in advance when you read the scripture what lens to see it through. You're going to see God judging and you're going to see his mercy all at the same time. I think sometimes we look at God's judgment but we don't see his mercy. Or sometimes we look at his mercy and we don't see his judgment. He is both merciful and, and righteous. So he has to judge. Look at this. The Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, curse, is the curse are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field and on your belly shall you go from the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall crush his heel. From the very moment that God brought judgment to the serpent, he brought a promise to humanity. At the same moment that, that he had to bring correction, he brought mercy. And mercy always triumphs over judgment. I know the emphasis we have as humans is we want people to be penalized. We want, we want, we want just, no justice! Oh, okay, come on, come on, come on. It's real, it's, it's, it's real, but at the end of the day, it's still humanistic. 
I still want to tell him, but, but what he thought should be really highlighted is his mercy. The mercy is I'm going to take from the seed of a woman and I'm going, he's, he's basically saying I'm going to wrap myself in the likeness of sinful flesh and God's going to become man, live the life we should live, die the death that we should die. That's the, the, the getting his heal. But death not going to be able to hold Jesus. That's Jesus crushing his head. This is the gospel message, and this is the only result and antidote for sin. I think we should be disciplined. We should not taste. We should not touch. But at the end of the day, there's a fallen nature in man where sometimes you do taste, you do touch, you do mess up. But I thank you that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who's crushed the head of the devil and giving me the opportunity for newness of life. This is why I praise him. This is why I search all over. Can't find nobody. Nobody greater. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is it. And yeah, then he goes on and he talks to the woman and he talks to the man and he, and he judges them. But nothing is greater than this promise. So just like one bad decision can change your life forever, one merciful decision can give you hope can give you hope. This is a miserable world without this hope. Because yes, I can preach about sin, but you know, you know, if we just lay out every sin, all of us got some can't help it. Sometimes we just like to lay out the big stuff. Little white lies is taking people out. Exaggerations. But I like how it ends in verse 20 and 21. And you can stand as I, I conclude this message. All oh, verse 20 and 21, I love it. One decision can mess up everything. And one decision can bring hope. And the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Let's go back to verse 20 and show you what happened. God challenges them. He asks, what's going on? They won't confess. God judges them and gives them a promise. And then he stays silent. Then Adam says something. This repentance means a change of heart or a change of direction, change of attitude, change of mind. They, they seem to be combative with the Lord when he was first confronted him with sin, but we see a change here. She, she had been called helper, female, wife, woman. She'd never been called Eve. He said she should be the mother of all living. When he told them to be fruitful and multiply, they was hanging out with a tree talking to a snake sinning. And now all of a sudden he says, I agree with what the Lord has said. 
I agree that he's going to send through the seed of a woman a savior that can help me. I agree with the good news about Jesus coming to save me. And you know what I'm going to do? In chapter four, he begins to have twins and he teaches them how to worship because he's holding on to the promise now, showing his change of heart, change of mind, change of direction. And then the Lord does something in 21. After that, repentance. I'm going to call it repentance. Verse 21, and he says, and the Lord God made garments of skin. Scripture says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. They tried to cover their own sins up. You are not enough. I am not enough to cover it up. Everything covered coming to the light. I'm sorry to tell you. Everything done in the dark is coming to the light. Don't matter if you're James Lowe, don't matter. Well, who I am in the dark coming to the light. Don't matter who I'm snoring, you snoring, don't matter. It coming to the light. He said, but, but he thought that man's covering for himself was not sufficient. I'm going to teach him a principle, and that's a prophetic promise within this principle that, that I'm going to shed my blood to redeem, to ransom, to purify, and to cleanse from sin, to blot out transgression and cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. If you try to solve your sin problem with your strength, you will never do it. I tried to do that. I'm just not disciplined enough. It is, the Bible says, a righteous man will fall seven times. Even the best going to get, fall. a righteous man will fall seven times. But he'll get back up again through the power of God. He'll get back up again. He'll get back up again. Christian, Will, Bryson, come on on the stage. I wish you had somebody to do that song. I just hear it. Uh, uh, who in the back playing? Greg? We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. Get back up again. Get back up again. Get back up again. Get back up again. Lift the screen up. Get back up again. Get back up again. Get back up again. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you need prayer with, but we're going to sing this just one more time. And if you need prayer for anything, any situation, healing of your body, deliverance, or you just need to worship the Lord for any reason, we're going to conclude the service with an opportunity as we worship for you to just come before the Lord. Maybe you need to kneel before the Lord or you just need a time before the Lord. Just take the next couple of minutes to get that. Get back up again. Get back up again. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. 
that there will be gospel freedom in this house. I rebuke the spirit of condemnation in the name of Jesus. Loose your hold and let them go. These are children that God loves so much that he came searching for you. Where are you at? I don't care what you've done. I love you enough to come and rescue you. This is called reckless love. Amazing love. So don't stay down. Just get on up in the name of Jesus. Here we go. Get back up again. So if you need prayer, just come on down.